Last week, I was doing some reading, and I came across an interesting definition, I guess, posted in the in the Constitution Thursday chat group, which if you're not a part of, send me an email or a text, 209-565-DAVE, or dave at the davebowmanshow.com, and uh, we'll get you into there, if you're on Facebook, obviously, if you're not, then pointless and we'll probably be mirroring the group at some point to um me wait but it's a chat group that's sufficient just specifically dedicated to constitution thursday and i put the definition in there a few weeks ago and i asked people what do you think of this and and the reason that i did that is because it caught me off guard it was the definition of the word democracy Now, I thought I knew what democracy meant. I thought I knew what it means. But it started one making me wonder if I really do know that. And specifically, it was about the difference between a democracy and a republic. Because we get that argument a lot, don't we? We are a democracy. No, we are a republic. What's the diff? I mean... Obviously, we could sit here and talk about the difference between a democracy and a representative republic. But are we just talking at cross purposes? Are we just being disagreeable just to be disagreeable? Or is there something else going on here? And therein lies the question. It is a conflict of language. And it made me start wondering if maybe the use of language is more subtle even than we know. We, we all, you know, kind of interesting that language becomes this, I don't know, new speak kind of thing. Language changes through the years. Words that had meaning 100 years ago have a different meaning today or even 20 years ago than they do today. Words that phrases and ideas are changed and modified, but is it even more subtle than that? 1991, Encyclopedia Britannica defined democracy as, quote, literally rule by the people, from the Greek, demos, people, and kratos, rule. They went on to explain that the term has several different senses in contemporary usage. One, a form of government in which the right to make political decisions is exercised directly by the whole body of citizens acting under a procedure of majority ruled, usually known as a direct democracy. That has been my lifetime understanding of what the word democracy means. That has been my lifetime understanding of what exactly we're talking about. Democracy means the majority rules. But number two, a form of government in which the citizens exercise the same right, not in person, but through representatives chosen by and responsible to them, known as representative democracy. And then number three, a form of government, usually representative democracy, in which the powers of the majority are exercised within a framework of constitutional restraints designed to guarantee all citizens the enjoyment of certain individual or collective rights. 
such as freedom of speech. Well, that throws a monkey in the wrench, doesn't it? Because that's almost the definition of a representative republic. But now, even in 1991, Britannica is saying, no, that's a democracy. You go to the online version of, of Britannica today, they retain the democracy, literally rule by the people. They keep the definition. They coined that in the middle of the 5th century of the BCE to denote the political systems then existing in some Greek city-states, notably Athens. And then they go on for pages and pages to define what they'd said before, that there are modified forms of democracy. The Oxford Dictionary today defines it as a system of government by the whole population or the eligible members of a state, typically through elected representatives. That's become the lead definition, according to the Oxford Dictionary, of what a democracy is. And of course, if you go to dictionary.com, government by the people, hmm, that sounds familiar. A form of government which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised directly by them or their elected agents under a free electoral system. There's some others in there as well, but, you know, you get the idea here. So when I came across this definition, I was reading a book called Four Threats. It is uh, it's an intriguing book. It's a premise. It's the Four Threats, The Recurring Crisis of American Democracy. Suzanne Mettler, Robert C. Lieberman, and this is the definition they gave. Democracy is a system of government in which citizens are able to hold those in power accountable, primarily through regular competitive elections, and in which representatives engage in collective decision-making, seeking to be responsive to the electorate. This is how they have defined democracy. This is how they have said This is what democracy means. This is what it is. Boy, did that kind of set me off. I mean, I, I, because this was something I had never even really contemplated before as far as the idea of democracy being that going. I I don't have a problem with that being the definition of a representative republic, but defining democracy that way seems to me like we're changing the definition of democracy to fit what we want it to be. We want it to be this, so that when we stand up in front of people now and we say, well, we're a democracy, we have to protect the American democracy, and we go, uh, those of us on the right go, but we're not a democracy, we're a representative republic. And yet, other people are thinking, well, but this is the definition, this is what it means. We had the little discussion on the chat group there, which, again, you can join if you'd like on Facebook. Just send me a note, and I'll get you in there. Um, and it was kind of the same reaction. This is not what I would expect. This is not how I would define it or haven't defined it. But it's pretty clear that for at least the last 20 years, most mainstream definitions have been in this idea that a democracy is a form is a representative republic and that if you're not a representative republic then you're not a democracy <laughs> that creates some problems doesn't it it creates some some questions it creates some fluidity in the language that starts to cut down on certain arguments doesn't it i mean If you say to me, we're a democracy, Dave, and I say, no, we're a representative republic, and yet 
in your mind, you're meaning a representative republic. You're just defining as democracy, and I'm I'm defining democracy as direct rule, as it used to be defined, and not as a representative. We're literally almost talking about the same thing. We're just looking at it two different ways, aren't we? We're hearing the same words, but we are not applying the same mentality. And of course, all of this came to a head this week when this happened. Not once, but twice. You use the term sexual preference to describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. It is not. Senator Hirano lamb-blasting Amy, Amy Coney Barrett, who for some reason I keep calling Amy Conan Barrett. I'm not sure why, um, but I do. Over this offensive and outdated term that she used, which was the term was sexual preference. And of course... This led to a good deal of confusion, as it should. Exactly when and where did, uh, uh, did sexual preference become offensive and outdated? She goes on to explain that this is used by anti-LGBTQRSTUV zealots to attack them by indicating that it's a choice, not, not, a, not a reality. I um, can pretty honestly say that never crossed my mind, ever. I've never thought in terms of the word preference being offensive or outdated when it comes to this kind of thing. And then she informed Ms. Barrett that she had done, Mrs. Barrett, that she had done so, quote, intentionally, which really opened up some... <laughs> some problems in my mind and i you know look i i i was looking for a clip from a particular movie 1984 that i wanted to reinforce in my mind where i was going with this and i ended up watching the entire movie again and let me tell you if you listen to senator hirano's harangue about offensive and outdated language and then you go watch 1984 you're going to see things a little bit differently than you did before. This whole concept of newspeak is not just appalling, but it's happening right in front of our face. When they define newspeak, they, they give it some reasonings. They give it some purpose. The first purpose of newspeak is to meet the ideological needs of the party. Well, if I can't say preference then that is meeting the ideological needs of a party that needs for LGBTQ, RSTUV, XWXYZ folks to actually not have any choice whatsoever. The ideological need of the Democrat Party is that these people are helpless, and that's why they need to rely on government. It meets the ideological needs of the party if it's a if it's not a preference. The second thing that it does is it provides a medium of expression for proper worldview and mental habits of the party members. Consider that for just a moment, if you would, please. 
by using the new language, the new speak, by erasing, or as I think it was Syme put it, uh, destruction of words is a beautiful thing. You can literally turn a conversation on its head. Do you honestly believe that Amy Coney Barrett, sitting there before the Senate committee, do you honestly think that it ever crossed her mind that saying the phrase sexual preference was offensive or outdated? Do you, do you honestly believe that? And yet in the middle of this conversation, in the space of literally seconds, her words were turned into not an answer to a question, but rather an outright attack, an outright insult. And consequently, for those who adhere to Ms. Hirano's, Senator Hirano's viewpoint, her worldview and her mental habits, every one of them checked a box yesterday and the day before yesterday going, okay, I can't use that word anymore. I got to make sure I say it right because it expresses the proper worldview and the mental habits of the party members. Lastly, what it does is it makes all of the modes of thought impossible. This is the goal of Newspeak, is to make all of the modes of thought not just outlawed, not just thought crimes, but to create an environment where you can't even think of this. And in the context here, you're not even supposed to think that the idea of sexual attraction is a preference. It is an absolute value. Period. That's kind of the goals here, aren't they? That's kind of the direction that they're trying to head with this. And the, the amazing thing about this, of course, is that within minutes of this conversation, the online dictionaries had revamped their definitions of the word preference to label preference in referring to sexual preference as offensive and outdated. You don't have to have me go look it up for you. You can look it up yourself. Use the Wayback Machine and those kind of things. Is a dictionary. I think it's Webster's Dictionary Online. Almost instantaneously changed the number five definition, preference sexual orientation, from preference to sexual of sexual orientation to offensive. Outdated. Please don't use this word anymore. The rather concerning thing to me about this was immediately Amy Conan Barrett, Coney Barrett. Sorry, I'm going to keep calling her Conan. Maybe because she's bad, badass. Anyway, point being that she immediately apologized. I didn't mean to offend anybody. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to upset you. I didn't mean to, to hurt your feelings. And all I could think of watching 1984 again was O'Brien when he's got Smith in that room. and Not room 101 yet, but he's got him in the other room. And he's telling him that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And he holds up those fingers. How many fingers am I holding up, Smith? How many fingers am I holding up? Smith says, I, I want to see five, but I can only see four. And this goes on and on and on. How many fingers? How many fingers? One of the things that O'Brien says to him, George Orwell, through his book 1984, 
is that the human mind, human beings are infinitely malleable. That eventually we will beat on you so hard that you will see that there are five fingers. That you will see that two plus two equals five. Even though your brain, somewhere deep inside you, you might think, well, I can never see that. But we will beat on you and we will change the language so that you can't even think that two plus two equals four. You will, you will automatically do what exactly what we want you to do. This is what, this is what we've seen happen here. In the space of a, of a blink, the word preference, when combined with sexual, has gone from being used by everybody from Joe Biden on down. Every Democrat in, in, in popularity of, of this nation, for God's sakes, Barack Obama signed a bill preventing, outlawing discrimination on the basis of, quote, sexual preference, unquote. Joe Biden has said it. Bring, we will bring everybody, regardless of their sexual preference. You can look this up online. You don't need my help. Until Senator Hirano said that, the word sexual preference was fine. And within seconds, two plus two no longer equaled four, did it? Now it equals five. And you will see five fingers, no matter how many are really there. And we will be infinitely malleable. And go right along with it, because if we don't, we'll be accused of being anti-gay or anti-LGBTQ or anti-this or anti-that until next week when some other word will become offensive. And the new speak will continue to grow and grow and grow, always serving the ideological needs of those who want power over us who want us to not be able to think for ourselves. How many fingers? Doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your brain has told you. It doesn't matter what you remember. It only matters what we tell you to hear. I thought to myself, my God, if that isn't right out of Orwell, I don't know what is. He who controls, wait, he who, that's the wrong slide. He who controls the present controls the past is what the saying says. And, of course, he who controls the past controls the future. And that's the question that we end up asking ourselves, isn't it? If we agree to allow this new speak update of our language from preference to offensive what does that mean for the past all these times where these candidates these presidents these politicians these public figures have said sexual preference sexual preference sexual preference are they going to have to be expunged now are they going to disappear from the internet are they going to disappear from life would you be surprised if they did Will they be issuing public apologies? Well, I once used those words, but now it's outdated, so I will use different language. Had we known then that it was offensive, we wouldn't have used it then, but now we did. Will the past change? And if the past changes, of course, what happens to the future? Now that we've been told 
this word is offensive. Are we going to go along with it? Are we going to accept it? Are we going to be beaten until we are infinitely malleable and accept it? Or will we continue to fight? Remember, (laughs) they want you to continue to fight. Because as long as you continue to fight, then they have an example. Then they have a way to influence others. And as soon as you accept that, as soon as you accept it, that's when they put a bullet in your brain, turn you into gas. <laughs>